Hi, everybody, and welcome to our yet-to-be-named podcast, where we recap episode by episode the most infamous show on TV, Glee. My name's Adrian Vega, and I'm lactose intolerant. My name's Danielle Stagger, and I'm wearing a vest. I love that. It's a wonderful vest. I wish you all could see it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It makes me feel like an art teacher. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. Um, So for today's episode, we're going to be recapping one of the most celebrated episodes of Glee, um, Glee Season 2, Episode 6, Never Been Kissed, or the episode that introduced the Dalton Academy Warblers. Uh, This is, this may be, and this feels so dramatic to say, but this may be one of Glee's, this may be Glee's best episode. I truly... I truly feel that. When I was watching it, I was like, this is just good television. Not ironically. I have to say something controversial yet brave. As you know, as you know, I was a Glee fan from the jump. My Twitter for the first like three years I used it was just me tweeting about Glee. And I, I remember season two. I remember it coming out. We were in eighth grade. It was fantastic. I expected to rewatch this episode and feel like it was just as fantastic. I did not like this episode. What? I was watching this episode and I was like, I'm feeling so emotional, and I think if I saw this in high school, I'd be feeling so- I was like, this is gonna wreck Adrian, I'm sure. I what? did not like this episode. In my notes, I wrote, does this episode specifically have a Glad Media Award? In my notes, I asked, how many Glad Media Awards does this show have? <laughs> because it did not deserve that many. <laughs> and you know, it's Probably so many. Yeah. It's so tough. Okay, let's start at the beginning, though. What happens at the beginning of the episode? Okay, so at the beginning of the episode, it opens with, and I'm so thankful for this, a gratuitous shot of Sam Evans shirtless with abs. Yeah, it does. I I think he is like the cute boy on Glee. He was the turning point for Glee. Like, Glee season one, they did not cast hot boys. The hottest they boy. They did it. Like, Mike Chang was the hottest. And, like... For sure. He's he's hot, whatever. But he's hot. Season he, got, two, he got, like, two seconds of screen time. Yeah. Season okay. two, they do the one-two punch of, like, Sam Evans and mm-hmm. then Darren Chris. And it feels... It felt to me like a very clear okay, we need a, we need hot boys. Yeah. Like, okay, people are watching this show and there's no one to lust over. And I'm, yeah. I'm like you said, I'm grateful. Yeah. So opens in the locker room with Sam shirtless in an ice mm-hmm. bath and Finn in like a steaming bath. And Finn's like, why are you taking an ice bath? And Sam's like, because Quinn's not putting out, which already is strange. And then I remembered that Finn and Quinn are exes. Yes. And who, who, and there's a baby between them, not between them personally, but there has been a baby. There has been a baby. And I don't know, if my partner wasn't putting out, I wouldn't go to their ex and complain about them not putting out. That just, I don't so, know. I was in a relationship once, very recently. You, you know the name, mm-hmm. you know the face. And I was allegedly, I don't know, acting out, being uncontrollable. And the person who I was dating consulted my ex to see if I'd ever done this before in a relationship. And I'll never forgive them for it. Yeah, I I know. I know Glee Club is incestuous. There are many jokes about it in future seasons. But that's just... That's a line in the sand for me. I'm not, I'm not asking my current partner's ex why they aren't putting out. So bizarre. 
Yeah. But I guess Finn is the only other person who's experienced it. They're bonded by this perceived trauma that they're both experiencing. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because then they commiserate and they're like, oh, neither one of our girlfriends are putting out. And Sam's <laughs> like, well, Finn, what do you do? And Finn's like, I just imagine something else is going on. And then it cuts to him running over a mailman. Yeah. Which I don't personally think is, like, that unsexy, if I'm honest. I don't think it's particularly sexy, but I don't think if I were, like, on the verge of orgasm, it would stop me. I... (laughs) I I guess I disagree. I don't know. For me, the traumatic memory of almost running someone over... I think it's weird to think of a a traumatic memory. I think it's like the classic thing to go for just something that's really not hot. Like the actively turn. And I guess, I guess murder is a turn off. (laughs) Unless you're Army Hammer. (laughs) Army Hammer. Um, But yes, to your point, that is what shapes the episode is the idea of thinking something unhot and sexy which in the Glee universe is Coach Beast. Let's talk, can we talk about Coach Beast for just a second? Absolutely. I actually think Coach Beast is like maybe one of the best characters to grace Glee. Yes, 100%. Like really great emotionally de- emotional development is an actual adult with the children most of the time. Like you know, is a different kind of person, but it's just, like, kind. I just really love Beast. Yeah. I, Coach Beast is, like, the best, definitely the best adult on Glee. Yeah. This is hopping four seasons in advance. They fumbled, <laughs> they fumbled Beast in season six. Uh, in six? I, I've never, I still haven't seen season six. Good for you. Um, I just... <laughs> Season six, I feel, undoes a lot of the really amazing character work that was done specifically in this episode with Coach Beast. Uh huh. Um, that really sucks. But for for this episode, I'm pretty sure this was the episode that the actress who plays Coach Beast was nominated for. Good. Yeah. So, yes, that's the opening scene is establishing Coach Beast as the thing. The Glee Club boys think of to um, to cool down. To cool down. Um, immediately after that, we jump into the choir room where Puck is back because apparently Puck was in juvie, um, right. which I don't know felt eh to me, um, but whatever. He's back. Apparently, it means something, and Mister Shu tells the kids. We know who we're competing against at whatever sectionals or regionals or whatever it was. And Mm -hmm. it's the all-boys school, Dalton Academy, and an adult continuation school full of elderly adults. Yeah. Um, The first thing Puck says upon coming back from juvie is to Mm -hmm. suggest they push the old people downstairs. So sweet. Puck is an incredibly... I mean, I don't know. I hate him as a character. Never found you funny. Never found you charming. Just found you annoying kind of vibe. Um, but whatever. He has a he has a B story in this episode. He yeah. He has one of the one of the main stories. Um, but before we get there, yeah. this is a question I always had when watching Glee, and I had to write it down. Why are there so many show choirs in Ohio? Well, isn't Ohio... Oh, yeah, because I guess this is sectionals. So it's not even just Ohio. It's, like, their particular... Like, okay, this is this is so true. But here's another thing that I will say. Show choir is far more popular than I actually thought it was. And I only know this because now I know people who are, like, profes- professional actors singers vocal coaches whatever and they're like yeah of course I learned to sing in show choir and I'm like 
is that real? And I've seen many friends' old show choir videos, and they're ridiculous, obviously, in, in the best way. So maybe there actually are kind of a lot of show choirs. I don't know. I just, that asked me to suspend a little too much disbelief. Not um, buying it. I'm not buying it yet, but Did your still, school have show choir? My school had no extracurriculars. Oh, yeah. I went to school on a farm um, with like right, 100 other people. Um, so no, we, we mm-hmm. didn't have any performing arts. Great. Um, did you have, no. did you have choir? Choir? There was a choir room in my high school, so I could only assume that there was a choir. I don't think I knew anyone who ever did it. Cause obviously the, I mean, we had a circus program, so it was like, why would you do show choir instead of circus? <laughs> Not that they're like mutually exclusive, but if you're gonna pick an identity around a performing arts kind of, you know, extracurricular, why not make it circus? I, I've i never heard of a school having a circus program. Well, we were famous for it. So. I love that. I love that. And despite best intentions, I love the assignment that Mr. Schuster assigns this week. It's boys versus girls, mashups mm-hmm. again. It was one of the best episodes of season one. So Absolutely. They're bringing it back, and Kurt is still being forced to perform with the men, um, which I don't know. I didn't like then. I don't like now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's this really kind of annoying thing that is like, what do you gain from making him do that? Like, what... What if the intention of boys versus girls is just like a cultural thing and it's obvious that Kurt like more heavily identifies with the girls in Glee like what are you possibly what are you trying to do right now it's it's bad (laughs) Mr. Schuster is a menace um and in payment for Puck being a menace to society he has to do community service, specifically mm-hmm. being friends with Artie, which... <laughs> that's the community service. That's community service, I guess. Um, I, I, I was going to say I love Artie. I stopped myself, but I think I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. He gets a little wonky later on, but right now, oh, actually no, because he's just been like really awful to Brittany. He called her stupid. Yeah. This is actually where he, like, kind of becomes a jerk. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. This school, this school is full of jerks, as we learn in the next scene, when Kurt gets shoved into a locker. The first Mm -hmm. time, I counted them, he got shoved into a locker at least five times this episode. This This episode. This being the first one, shoved by football player Dave Karofsky. Karofsky. Um, and, you know, just setting just setting up groundwork for what will be a very intriguing storyline with Karofsky. Um, Agree not, to disagree. It is... I, please. I don't like... I don't like Karofsky. If, if he was never a part of the show, I would have been completely happy... I hate every episode that he's in or a part of. I understand that that is... I understand that that's a really tough take to have, especially considering some of his more, you know, emotional episodes down the line, but I truly hate this storyline. I there I said didn't, it. I didn't love it. This was this was the storyline that I was like I know Glad gave them a media award for it and I, of course, I think I think we could we could have had higher standards sooner, but I, I, I can't think of the right word because it's not appreciate and it's not respect, 
but I feel something about Dave Karofsky, and it's not entirely negative. For sure. Well, I think this was, like, the early version of... Ex- it's it's the early version of exploring internalized homophobia, which is, like, a very important thing to, I think, explore, especially on a show with such a large platform. And because it was, you know, one of the earlier iterations of that exploration, it's not what it needs to be. No. no. Of course. But, like, good on them for for hitting that kind of important mark. Sure, yeah. They they yeah. they laid um, uneven groundwork for <laughs> exactly. better storylines to build on. Exactly. Um, but Mr. Schuster sees Kurt being shoved into a locker and pulls him aside and is like, hey, is everything okay? And in one of my favorite moments of the show, Kurt's like, no, no, things are not okay. And if we're being honest, you're part of the problem, Mr. Schuster. Like, holy. Kurt was um, like, actually, I'm not well because you're a homophobe. <laughs> and we call it out. And I mean, I mean, throughout the series, Mr. Schuster is terrible at handling bullying. Like, just doesn't at all they're all being bullied individually as a group and he's like this will be good for our music yeah but we're all different (laughs) you know what do you expect literally um what yeah this i'm not sure how mr schuster was received as this was airing because i i was like 13 Mm -hmm. um mr schuster comes out looking the worst out of any character this episode. He does not have a single redeemable moment, in my opinion. Well, he kisses Beast. And did you think that was bad? I did not like how he went about it, because it was, it felt like a pity kiss. It was a pity kiss! And so why am I going to be like, good on you for taking pity on Beast and kissing her. And you know what? Okay, this is jumping a few more episodes. But mm-hmm. in a few episodes, we learned, spoiler alert for a show that aired like 10 years ago, we learned <laughs> that Coach Beast developed a crush on Mr. Schuster. Right. And they go out to like a Western bar and then Mr. Schuster's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm like dating Gwyneth Paltrow now. So... Oh, God. And it's... I don't, th- I don't think he has a single redeemable moment. I think, here's what I'll say, and I'll say it later but I just have to say it now in I wrote in my notes when watching this, if I were a grown ass woman and I was talking to a guy and I was like, I have never been kissed. And then he didn't kiss me. I would hurl myself in the ocean and never come out (laughs) like that. That's when I pretty much pack it up. And I thought he wasn't going to kiss her. And I was like, that is not, this is wrong. But then he did, and it still didn't feel great. But I'm like, I think he had to. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, More I, on that I, later. I do not remember my first kiss, um, so I do not have very strong thoughts attached really? to it. Really? No. What age were you? I was a freshman in college. And you know what? And I, you don't remember? No. You know where it happened? Where? Full moon on the quad. Oh, yeah. That's so. It's. uh, You can frame it as. Yeah. (laughs) Full moon on the quad. Uh, Was it like a? Do you do you just like not remember who it was? Or you don't remember the experience much? I was it like a tongue kiss. I do not remember because I was determined that night. I was like, I've gone 18, 19 years without a kiss. I'm making up for it in this one night. And so it was like, line, like I was going down a line of people. Um, The fact that you not only had your first kiss, but had kissed like one through 20 all in the same, like 30 minute time span. Yeah. I obviously had my first kiss when I was 16 at a skating rink. Did you skate? 
I didn't skate. I think it was like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> I think it was like one of those nights where the skating ring turns into like a teen club. <laughs> I, I never saw that person again. I never saw that guy again. Like, couldn't tell you their name. Couldn't really tell you what they looked like. But it was an intense kiss. Tongue. <laughs> Okay, and speaking of being 16, I think it's really, and whatever, we don't talk about it enough, because it feels cliche, but we really need to. It's nuts that they're like, my 16-year-old girlfriend isn't putting out. Like, well, yeah, you guys are juniors in high school. Yes, also, she's a teen mom, and that has really (laughs) changed the way she thinks about intimacy. Certainly! Also, like, dude, I I hated my body, obviously, when I was 16, and I was just, like, a freaking, like, you know, I, 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 like, had a socially acceptable, like, body, so to speak. So to, like, be a teenager who has had a child and also have to deal with all the things that that's doing to your body physically, emotionally, mentally, and he's like, ugh, I can't touch your boobs? <laughs> no! Yeah. No. Another And I just want to say she's being a not being a good sport. I shouldn't say it like that, but it's not like they're not like making out and like going to second base or like she's really giving him a whole lot. Yes. And she said, "Listen, we can we can have sex at prom after prom." Which right. like authentically high school. Yes. Um, that's that's the classic. What's not authentically high school is that every scene of Sam and Quinn making out is right next to a burning fireplace. It is was, that true? It was the weirdest thing I noticed this episode. They were both like laying on like a chaise, just making out by a fire. I love that. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. I yes. didn't even notice that at all. Yes, and so that is where we have the first instance of thinking of Coach Beast is they're making out and Sam is thinking of Coach Beast like in a like ballerina outfit and like chopping meat or whatever. And then rather than climaxing and saying your partner's name, he cools down and says, Beast. I hate that so much. It's mean. It's it's mean. It's, it's mean. Just so mean. And adding mean. another layer to to the meanness is the next scene. It's Quinn in Sue Sylvester's office, and they're painting Coach Beast to be a teacher who takes advantage of her students. Oh my gosh! I totally forgot about this part of the episode. Yes, and they're like, this is perfect. This is how we get Coach Beast out of here because Sue has a whole vendetta. Right. And so it's, yeah, it's not just like, oh, you are ugly and like the absolute antithesis of pleasure and eroticity. Eroticity is maybe not a word. But also... Now you are going to be wrongfully accused, yeah, of taking advantage of your students, which is probably the worst thing a teacher could be accused for. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And in one of the worst musical performances of Glee history, we cut to the school courtyard with Puck and Artie, and they decide they're going to busk in the courtyard by singing One Love by Bob Marley. I... Adrian, I really like this cover. No! In (laughs) my... No, 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 no. I need to, I need to read you. I need to read you my notes from when I was watching this. Glee committed so many sins. Truly the Barack Obama era wet dream of a post-racial America. (laughs) Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale, who plays Artie, 
why do they keep making you sing every song by a black man? They, okay, Artie is for sure Glee's black man, like resident black guy, which is kind of bizarre. And it's never addressed, but it's like, he takes all the black guy songs. Yes. Yes. Also, I refuse to believe that the same school that throws slushies in their face for singing in the cafeteria is also <laughs> paying them $300 to sing oh, in the oh, courtyard. Oh, for sure. Well, maybe it's a different it's a different crowd in the courtyard. It's like the kids. Here is another question that I have though. Who is slushying them? I I will forever have this question with glee because Puck is, like, homies with all of them. So why yes. can't he just be like, stop? Well, because it's always, there was always, like, um, they were, like, double citizens, you know? Like, they were, right. they were cool, but they gave up some of their coolness by joining Glee Club. And so, in a way, then, they were only cool by proximity. Like, they themselves yeah. stopped being, like, the big men on campus. Right. In the, they in the were same just way. like kind of safe. Yeah. But that happens. God, I'm so glad I didn't have this show as a child. I, I think am it upset. Been really bad for me. I'm upset that I had it. Um, <laughs> however, let me just say the crowning glory happens here. Immediately after that terrible performance of Bob Marley. We jump straight to Dalton Academy. Absolutely. And Kurt, Kurt has been sent to Dalton to spy on them because his ideas were deemed as too girly for the boys team. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, let us take care of this. You go over and basically you go and spy on those homos is like. Yeah, for is, sure. It's the is vibe. What, is the vibe. I have a question. How do you feel about Kurt in this episode or up until this point? Are you, like, liking Kurt? Do you want, like, good things for him? I think first season Kurt, I just, like, didn't have super strong thoughts on. I, like, yeah. I wasn't vibing with his character as much in the first season. This is mm -hmm. really where I just grow to like Kurt. This is probably season two is the peak of how much I like her. Yeah, I agree. And I think the introduction of Blaine also just, like, makes him likable. Like, yeah, it's it's just... Darren Chris is rising to the top, and he's taking everyone and his storylines with him. Yes, yeah, he he is giving Kurt the perfect foil to... Kurt... Mm-hmm. With season two, Kurt is just sitting in such a wonderful place as, like, with foils. Because on one end, he has Dave Krofsky, like, internalized homophobia, violent. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, it's, like, Darren Chris's character who, you know, is coming from, like, this magical land where, like, harassment and bullying doesn't exist. But, like, yeah, as a character, he has a history with that. And Kurt is just so planted firmly between these characters that it really mm -hmm. gives his character the time to shine. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Do you buy that Blaine is the only gay warbler? No, 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 no. This, okay, so no, no, I don't. So we're <laughs> at Dalton Academy. They... The whole class, the whole school is out of their classrooms because the Warblers are playing a surprise performance. And I wrote in my notes, Sue had a point. The arts are disruptive. <laughs> this is what circus was like at my school. There would be like kids doing circus stuff in the hallways and everybody would be like, oh my God. That's yes. wild. Um, it but was yes. really dumb. Kurt and Blaine go running through a shortcut which is just a nice empty hallway where you can lay the groundwork for what would be one of the best best relationships easily that, that we've seen um and then they do one of top this is a top five glee performance 
They do Teenage Dream. Yep, one of the best Glee covers, best performances. Also fits into the episode beautifully. I think, like, my kind of top things for a Glee cover, what makes a good cover, is, like, obviously how it sounds, you know, who's singing it, and then how well it plays into the plot of the episode. And I think this just, like, blows all of those criteria out of the water. Yes. Yes. I think this, I think Teenage Dream was the highest charting Glee song after um, the, their, their main song. What is it? Their journey. Don't Stop Believin'. Don't Stop Believin'. I think this is the next most successful Glee song, which Good. should be, should be the best, should be the most. Um, it should be. It should be Teenage Dream, Somewhere Only We Know. Honestly, Somewhere Only We Know first, then Teenage Dream, and then, I don't even think Don't Stop Believin', like, whatever yeah i i'm with you um i do have a serious question so yes. teenage dream they do it acapella was mm-hmm. this before or after pentatonics i just i need to know who we blame okay i funnily enough i did not really know about pentatonics until sophomore year of college yeah and wow. i i it was I remember it was raining and their Hallelujah song came on my Spotify daily mix and I was like oh, excuse me yes. what is this feels like this is probably definitely like after Pentatonics I looked it up it was the year before really this was the year before Pentatonics so Pentatonics for those who don't know, competed on an acapella reality TV show and won. I think Sarah Bareilles was one of the judges. God. Um, and this was so this talented. was the year before. Um, also, for those who do not know, in this episode, the rest of the Warblers are played by like some college acapella group. And mm-hmm. it shows because there were many of those high schoolers with aggressive five o'clock shadows and I spotted at least one receding hairline. Please. I, I did not know that they were an actual... They're so good. Yeah. I think they're like... I want a Warbler's jacket really bad. I know you do. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, I'll cry. Oh my god. Not a part of the podcast, but my great costume did come. Wow. I'm excited. I have no idea. I have no idea what the grape costume was. I just saw Danielle wants a grape costume, and I was like, I have $18 in my Venmo. I'm going to send those over. <laughs> You're everything. <laughs> you don't um, even know what's coming. Okay. I, I'm excited. Um, also, one last thing from my notes. Mm-hmm. Darren Chris is one of the only men I will forgive for playing queer roles. It is him and the boys from Brokeback Mountain. They... Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal and... Um, referring to Jake Gyllenhaal and um who is the it's like a black guy right? no he played Joker oh it's um it's Heath Ledger Heath Ledger Heath who's Ledger, the black guy in Brokeback Mountain I, I don't think I've ever seen Brokeback Mountain I don't think um, I have either <laughs> yes my major was queer studies <laughs> no <laughs> I, no I never watched Brokeback Mountain nothing um, further your honor yes those are those are the three people I forgive for playing queer roles. I I hate to say this, but like I mean, Blaine is just an incredible character. Like Darren Chris just really, really did a great job. Yeah, I don't think he was originally written to be a long-standing character. If I'm remembering correctly, I bet that's right. I, I don't even think they planned on him and Kurt dating. I think he, like, was supposed to be, like, Kurt's gay like a mentor. sunshine, right. And then, like, drives off, and then Kurt is, like, this, like, more fully realized character. Right. But as, as we see later in this episode, there was, like, clear character tension that fans... For sure. Like, jumped on. By the end of the episode, Kurt already has a picture of Blaine in his locker. Um, <laughs> which is a little weird. Which is weird, but I am not complaining. 
Um, Here's what I think, too. I think, okay, this is a firm belief of mine, is, like, people don't realize how bizarre it once was to have photos of other people before Instagram existed. Because it's not like people were just, like, post like you had to really kind of dig for them and then like print them out or something so to have or you'd get them gifted like they would you would get your pictures and you'd write a little note you'd be like to danielle like love you like a sister adrian and then you give them like this wallet sized picture yeah your high school yearbook photo yeah or like your jc penny yearly photo shoot moment Yes. Oh, so good. Yeah. Amazing. The culture. Um, and so Glee does something that like firmly plants it in a specific time of culture when mm-hmm. we cut to Tina and Mike, two characters who like never get anything, any, any camera time. They're making out in a hallway and Tina lifts up Mike's shirt to show his abs and she's like, this is my kind of situation, which... Uh, I didn't even catch that. I I love a Jersey Shore reference. Um, <laughs> it was great. I, I loved it. Um, they then keep making out, but move into what I can only assume is a science room because there is a solar system hanging from the ceiling and they start making out. And then... You would think then that this is Mike who's going to think of Coach Beast, but no, the tables are turned. It is Tina Cohen Chang who is thinking of Coach Beast and similarly to Sam, says Beast rather than climaxing. Um, And it's weird. Cut to the hallway again, where it's like Coach Beast is just walking, like doing her job as a football coach and adult in a school. And then uh-huh. Quinn and Mike both come at her and are like, leave my boyfriend slash girlfriend alone. And Beast is like, I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm just, I'm just monitoring the hallway. Um, so that Mr. Shu has to have a sit-down conversation with Sam and Mike, not Tina, Mike, and is like, <laughs> what's going on? And Mike and Sam are both like, we don't want to tell you because we know it's bad. And then right. they tell him, and Mr. Shu's like, this is bad. <laughs> You're bad. <people."> <laughs> you were right. <laughs> um, whatever, I just... I wasn't very into into that moment of the episode just because mm-hmm. it kept me from the warblers. Um, so we see the warblers again. Kurt is at coffee or getting coffee with Blaine and two other people. And Kurt's like, so are you all gay? And Blaine's like, ha no, I'm the only gay one. These two are straight. And then they talk and one of them has controversial yet brave has a gay voice <laughs> and I I had to pause the episode I was like let me do some investigative work the actor is in fact gay and not no only that way. He was, not you finding this warbler he was 30 years old when this taped of course and the chode <laughs> here's um, what I will say one of my favorite lines from this episode is this is not a gay school <laughs> and it's like the, <laughs> I don't think anyone suggested <laughs> that it was like I don't think it's a big leap to be like are all you men in this acapella show choir group gay and they're like um why would you say that obviously not <laughs> girl <laughs> one of my favorite moments I don't know if this is verbatim. This might be how I interpreted the line, but what I wrote down, mm-hmm. and this is from Blaine to Kurt, is if you're gay, your life is going to be miserable, was basically <laughs> what what Blaine was telling Kurt. And I just felt seen. Um, and, and look, 
Maybe Kurt did need to hear that. No, Kurt didn't need to hear that at the time, but it wasn't the wrong thing to say. No, and I mean, Blaine said it better than I interpreted it. He was like, if you're gay, your life is going to be miserable until, like, you feel the strength to just, like, stand as your own person. And, like... That's beautiful. Which is nice. I just... I wanted to to take that that uplifting part of it away and just feel miserable. Um, yeah, and also, I mean, let's hold space for the people who are actually just miserable the whole time, <laughs> even after. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then we got we got two, three, like th- four scenes in a row that I just wasn't the biggest fan of. We cut to the girls getting their performance ready. And they're like, uh, Rachel, why aren't you talking? And Rachel's like, the point of this episode is to do the opposite of what we would normally do. So I'm going to shut up, which I was like, thank God. Um, Oh, yeah, that was fun. Moving on, Puck and Artie walk in and they're like, you can't be here. You're spying on us. And they're like, no, we're just here to bully Brittany and Santana until they agree to get dinner with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens cut to the teacher's lounge with Mr. Schuster and Coach Beast and Coach Beast is like hey dude what's going on your students are acting really weird and Mr. Schuster's like I don't want to tell you it's bad and she's like tell me it's about me and he's like just you know like remember that these these are young kids and, and, you know, it's not personal, which is the exact opposite of what he told Mike and Sam when they were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but he eventually confesses the truth and Beast is obviously, like, crushed by it. And she's like, that, that is absolutely personal. Like, they are making fun of me and... Yeah. Like... It, could, it couldn't be more personal. It couldn't be more personal. Um, there may have been then a commercial break. I don't remember because I really like the beginning of the next scene, which is at Breadsticks with Puck, Artie, Brittany, and Santana. And we see that under the table, Brittany is like squeezing Artie's leg and Artie is clearly not responding because paralyzed from the waist down. I... (laughs) And Brittany whispers into his ear. She's like, I have been squeezing your leg for 30 minutes. Do you not like me? I literally did not put this together. I want to say now that's actually really funny. I'm trying to think if it's problematic, but I think it's actually just kind of a good joke because Brittany's stupid. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I think that's the whole thing, and I think that's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they keep... Uh, they keep eating dinner and it's just like I don't know they're being mean to girls and I hate every um scene that's ever happened in breadsticks that's the truth um I'm gonna disagree until season three uh or I'm gonna disagree because of season three but what happens in season three is it like Naya's moment no it's what no, what the moment I was thinking of in season three was when they sing Love Shack and Blaine comes back after having, like, scratched corneas, which was really just an excuse so that he could go do Broadway. Um, <laughs> and then they, like, throw, like, a Valentine's Day party and they sing Love Shack. What show is he in on Broadway? I do not remember. I think Nick Jonas did it also. Oh, How to Succeed, probably. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Darren Chris also was in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. <laughs> Hello, like. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Are we gonna talk about this? Oh, he went to Michigan. Did he get. Okay, this is important. Did he get a degree in musical theater or in theater from Michigan? I'm just going to do some digging super quick. Of course. I think he's from San Francisco originally and like part Filipino. Cute. Um, I see that. Yeah. Love it for him. Um, 
don't care about his musical interests. Oh, he went to St. Ignatius. I feel like St. Ignatius is, like, a school in, like, every place. Yes. Okay. Sorry yes. I'm ignorant about the Catholic faith. Is it Catholic? No, I think so. There, I, I think I'm so pretty too. sure there's a St. Ignatius in San Francisco, and then... We both have personal experience with St. <laughs> Ignatius graduates of Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. Uh, okay. Well, obviously, Derry Chris's like big claim to fame is the Harry Potter thing, right? Yes. It's unclear, but it seems like he didn't do musical theater at Michigan. And for those who don't know, it's super prestigious to do musical theater at Michigan. But it's like a little less prestigious to just do theater at Michigan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't personally believe it, but apparently there's like big drama between theater students and musical theater students at Michigan because they get different resources and opportunities. So I'm always interested. <laughs> um, amazing. Amazing. Um, I love that. The next scene. So we're finally we're finally getting into the actual boys versus girls story, um, mm-hmm. and the girls are up first. They do a mashup of "Start Me Up" and "Living on a Prayer," and like mm-hmm. a lot of black and leather and like teased up hair. Um, I loved it. I thought they ate this performance up, and it was a wonderful preview of what Rachel would look like when she moved to New York, because she had so like fun hair bangs like wasn't in a sweater um Mm -hmm. I loved it um I totally agree I I watched it and I was like how do I not remember this cover it was so good I also mm -hmm. think in I think season two they were really in their bag with covers because they were really intentional about them um, the first thing I said when this started was that Mercedes should have had the lead the whole time, and I stand by that. Yes. Um, but, yeah, an incredible performance. Yes. A thing that I love about this performance, I love it when actors do this, because acting is reacting, and there's <laughs> nowhere that you can learn that better than Glee. Artie was acting his ass off in the art in the audience and he always is like whenever Artie is watching a show or like you know someone do a performance Kevin McHale is like oh we're acting I am engaging active audience I love it I love watching him my favorite part of the performance there was like a shot of Quinn just like really singing but the only voices you hear in the song are Rachel and Mercedes. Good. <laughs> but all of all of the girls were pretending like they were like they were the ones singing and doing I, it. I really loved it. Um, after the girls eat it up, we cut to the hallway where Kurt is thrown into a locker again. But this time he's mm. like, "No, I have." I have Blaine on one shoulder telling me to be brave. So he chases after Karofsky and makes, I said, maybe he took his advice a little too seriously because he ran into an empty locker room with the most violent person on campus and proceeded to call him a ham hock, fat and balding. He was really on one. Kurt. Now, Karofsky was balding, and it was high school, so that was a fair dig, I will say. <laughs> yeah, yes. Kurt was, <laughs> Kurt was just reading, reading the men this episode. Certainly. Um, and, um, just, and then what happens? Just when you think Karofsky's gonna, like, punch Kurt in the face, instead, kisses him. And everyone is shocked. Karofsky's shocked. Kurt is, like, in tears and as the audience i watched i watched this when it aired and i was still like <gasps> yep oh my god um oh here's where i wrote it i said <laughs> not glee doing the all homophobes are secretly gay storyline i How wrote many... oh go for it sorry say it again i wrote that almost exactly in my notes <laughs> i said not this storyline how many GLAD Media Awards did this win? 
Hello, Sarah Kate Ellis. It's time to make some changes. no comment on the Karofsky storyline. I, I don't like the character. He's so unlikable. I'm like, his only redeeming quality is that he's gay. And I'm yeah. like, it's not enough for me. <laughs> You're still yes. the worst. Yes. Yes. Um, cut to commercial. We come back. We're in the choir room again. Um, we're informed that Coach Beast has quit working at William McKinley High School. Mm-hmm. It's all the Glee Club's fault. Sue yes. is like ecstatic. <laughs> now, this is <laughs> poor Tina because she was not the only person in the Glee Club who used this trick, but she was the only person getting dragged in that choir room after Coach <laughs> Beast quit. They were like, Tina, how could you? They hate Tina. They hate Tina. And then half of the cast just doesn't know what's going on. Incredible. Um, This is where I realized that Mercedes does not have a single line of dialogue this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice. I was probably grateful because it feels like in the beginning of um, Glee... They were just giving Mercedes these insane, like, black woman, I don't think so, lines. <laughs> and I was like, I have to go. This yeah. is insane. And she would dress, I don't know, probably exactly how I dressed when, that, when I was that age, but I hated it. I was like, <laughs> why is this girl wearing knee-high Converse and orange skinny jeans three years too late uh, a, three years too late that was just <laughs> in time that was what it's... that's what I remember being like it in seventh grade okay and I think that's the thing is that I was in we were in like middle school when that happened so I'm like level up but I guess they were wearing the same things okay yeah so it was it was sense. the same time um right Santana, one of my favorite lines. If everyone just put out, we'd have a winning football team. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, ever it's the giving, problem solver. It's giving reverse Lysistrata, and I love that for her. <laughs> I love Santana. Um, the scene gets cut short because Puck and, for some reason, Mr. Schuster are called mm-hmm. into the principal's office where we find out that, shocker, being friends with disabled folks is not community service. Right. Um, and then, you know, they're like, Kurt, or not Kurt, Puck, like, we can help you. We'll find, like, an alternative. And Puck does this whole, like, woe is me. Nobody understands me. And must I remind you, this whole situation started because he tried to steal an ATM that he didn't need. He is not want for money. I hate Puck, and I'm so incredibly uninterested in anything that he does. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, We then cut to the stairwell. (laughs) I wrote it down in my notes as stairwell with the homos. Um, because it's, it's Kurt and Blaine and they're just chatting in the stairwell and then Karofsky right. comes and Blaine being the phone a gay of central Ohio Incredible. is there to talk to Karofsky about like accepting himself, accepting himself. Um, Blaine for some reason is not at school during the school day he's here mm-hmm. um being the p flag the one man p flag um and then karofsky like throws blaine and i just i i didn't notice it when i watched this as a child but there was a certain way that darren chris was like leaning on the stairwell after he had been thrown onto it like he's a little tussled and he looks so sexy Please, Adrian. He's just been hate crimed. <laughs> it's 
It was great. Um, Karofsky, Karofsky <laughs> runs away. Moment. Love that moment. Karofsky runs away. Blank pulls himself together. And he's like, Kerr, why are you so upset about this homophobe bullying you? Yeah. And, and Kurt's like, well, he was my first kiss. Um, oh, right. That's that's a big thing for why Kurt, because it's his first kiss. It's and it's with the homophobe who's been bullying him. That yes. does suck. Yeah. And, you know, it opens up the theme of first kisses, which we jump into right after that in Beast Office. A little Beast late Office. in the episode, but okay. A little late. Um, but we're in Coach Beast's office. Coach Beast is, like, packing up her stuff, and Will Schuster comes in and is like, why are you leaving? And Coach Beast is like, well, you guys were really fucking mean. And, For like, sure. makes, I, I, I wrote down, making amazing points about desirability politics of, like, people don't view me as a girl and all I want to do, all I want to yeah. be is be treated as a girl. Like, treat yeah. me as someone whose value isn't just in, like, training men in football. Yep. Huge. Um, Will Schuster jumps in, straight guy with abs, and says, I get it, Coach Beast. I get why people picturing you in lingerie to cool down is upsetting. Why do I get it? Because my high school experience was bad. Coach Schuster. I mean, he should have been, like... He should have addressed the fact that his mouth makes him look like a gargoyle. That's what he should have addressed. Because that is the thing that will drive me crazy for the next however many seasons. I don't know why his mouth opens up so wide. I guess it makes him a better singer. I think they really could have gone for it on that. But they they kept saying Sam has a big mouth. And I don't think it's that big. I think it's big. <laughs> I think... Really? I think Characteristically it, big? Yeah. I never would have noticed it if no one ever said anything. Yeah. Um, He's just got, like, big lips, right? No, he doesn't. No. He has a big mouth. I don't think... I think you're brainwashed. I might be. I think... I will believe anything <laughs> Glee tells me. <laughs> okay, um, so Beast is like... No one sees me as a woman. I haven't even been kissed, and I'm 40. I've never been kissed. That's gotta be hard. Yeah. I think as somebody who... I wouldn't say relies on my, like, desirability, but who, having been ostracized in other ways or feel feeling like an outsider in other ways like the thought of not being able to cling to this thing which is like toxic but like a thing nonetheless is so that's that fucking sucks Mm -hmm. like that's really really so much and so intense and to be like fully grown into adulthood kind of navigating the world that way has to be so tough yeah which is why to me will schuster's reaction just fell short because it felt like it didn't address like those deep complexities and it just felt Mm -hmm. like a very surface level way to provide validation yeah um they definitely could have taken it farther and should have yeah but i'm with you it would have been weird personally if i were like i've never been kissed before and he's like pats me on the back and's like yeah good luck champ (laughs) Yeah, you'll get him soon, Tiger. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he plants one on her, plants one on her, and it's and enough to make like her want to stay. <laughs> Incredible, um, great. Yeah, so that's one storyline checked. We're done with that storyline for the episode. Um, going to finish the Artie and Puck one. Puck is running away from home because he doesn't want to do community service because, in his words, he thinks it's ghetto. He does say ghetto a couple times in this episode. And I'm like, not to be the not to be the worst, but you just got out of juvie, hun. You're not exactly <laughs> the face of like white picket fences over here. But okay. 
Yeah, this whole episode, Puck has been pretending like Juvie was great. He's like, I ran that place. Like, mm-hmm. nobody was messing with me. And then he finally admits to Artie that, shocker, Juvie was not a good experience. Um, and he is actually not that badass. It's just because he hangs out with white people from the suburbs. Yeah, fully. <laughs> like, what did you think? You're from whatever Ohio. Yeah. Um, Artie then chimes in and is like, no, come on, we can do this. I'll tutor you in classes and you'll do community service and we'll be friends. And also throws in the word yo, like every other sentence, um, which to me, not only are you a white guy who's singing every black song in Glee Club, you're mm-hmm. a white guy who wears sweater vests and you're saying yo a little too much for me. Do you think that was written in the script or do you think Kevin McHale was improvising? <laughs> I hope it was written into the script because I want to like Kevin McHale. I think I like him too. And I think I like that he's like very critical of his time on Glee. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, boom, wrapped up that storyline. In that same hallway is Kurt looking at a picture of Blaine um, Karofsky slams him into the locker one last time to show that this this is not a one episode storyline. This is mm-hmm. we are diving deep into this storyline this season. Um, my only note there was: Does Chris Colfer qualify for workman's comp because he was thrown into that locker too many times? Oh my gosh. Sweet, sweet Chris Colfer really took a lot from Glee. Yeah. He was also the like, youngest person on cast. Yeah, he was 19 yeah. when they filmed the pilot. Little baby. And so whenever they would do things that would like talk about his actual insecurities, I was like, guys, really not cool. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um... The last scene of the episode is the boys' performance in the boys versus girls where they ask Beast to co- Coach Beast to come and sit. And I guess this is their version of an apology. It felt weak. Right. Um, of course. They sing a mashup of Stop in the Name of Love and Free Your Mind, which two great songs. This was a fine performance. Yeah, wasn't in love with it. Yeah, I just, I know the point of the episode was to, like, take songs traditionally sung by, like, women and translate them to, like, this all-boy performance, but it leaned into masculinity. Like, it stripped it too much from The Supremes and En Vogue for me. Definitely. Um, so it was good. Um, again, lingering question I have throughout Glee is how these teens afford so much clothes for three minutes of singing um always well it's allegedly in the glee budget because that's why because a couple i don't know what season it is but they go bankrupt and that's why is it season five where they go bankrupt and sue and and sue is like enumerating all the like stuff that the Glee Club has spent money on. Yes. And I'm like, she's not wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's I guess it's in the it's guess it's in the budget. It's um, canon. Yeah. But the episode ends with Coach Face being like, that was a good performance and they all hug and do 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 and that's a wrap on Never Been Kissed. And that's what a wrap are your final thoughts on the episode? Best, okay, best song in the episode, best scene in the episode, worst song, worst scene. Okay, best song is easy. Teenage Dream by a landslide. For sure. If I For had sure. to give, if I had to give a runner up, it's to the girls mashup. Yeah, yeah. But, Living on a Prayer, um, definitely honorable mention. Yeah. Worst song is One Love. I hated it. I think outside of the cultural context, it's a nice cover. I hated it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. 
Um, worst I would scene. give the worst song to the boys mashup. Mm. I, I really didn't like it. Okay. Sure. Um, worst scene. Worst scene for me was Mr. Schuster and Coach Beast talking in her office. Yeah. Um, it just left a lot to be desired. For sure. I think worst scene for me... Probably Tina and Mike Chang hooking up and Tina saying Beast. I just, <laughs> it just, <laughs> I hated it. I really didn't like it. That's all. Like, yeah. I just, it, it wasn't working for me. It made no sense for Tina's character. Um, I resent the underutilization of Mike Chang forever and always. Yeah. So that's me. Um, best scene for me is anything with Blaine. Yeah. I think for me, the slow-mo hallway scene can't get any better than that. Like, come on. All right. That, That feels right. I had so much fun recapping this episode with you. This was an honor. Thank you for doing, hey, thanks for, thanks for doing this. Of course. Thank you for doing this please um yeah and i guess we'll see you next time perhaps with another episode of glee um we'll see do you do do, i don't know this song well enough will you will you sing us out of course